What a stern in God's word this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, the words of God through Moses as he addresses the nation of Israel. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whether ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, then thou, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. He shall not go after other gods, of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? 
then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired words. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. The text that we consider this morning is verses 6 and 7 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, at this, con- this context in the Israelites' history, they are at the end of their wilderness wanderings. They had received the law of God on Mount Sinai, some 40 years prior. They had then spent the next 40 years wandering around, led by God himself through Moses in the wilderness. And they are now ready to enter into that land of promise. But before they enter the promised land, God commanded Moses to repeat God's law unto the Israelites. That's what is contained for us in the book of Deuteronomy. If you break down the word Deuteronomy into the two parts, you have deutero, which means two or second, and then the second half of the word comes from namos. Deuteronomy comes from namos, which means law means second law. It's a repetition of that same law that God had given to the Israelites earlier, but now lest the Israelites forget this law, once they enter into the land of promise, lest they enter in and see the wealth of this land, that this is a land flowing with milk and honey, and forget Jehovah God, he repeated the law unto them. And so it is then appropriate on this occasion of baptism that we hear this repetition of the law of God. We know it. We've been taught it from our youth. And yet, lest we forget what Jehovah God has done for us, God instructs us in his word 
but we must teach it diligently. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Consider this text this morning under the theme, Diligently Teaching Our Children. First, we'll consider who is the teacher. Second, we'll consider what is the duty, what does God call us to do as teachers. And then third, we'll consider the truth, which is the content of our instruction. Diligently teaching our children the teacher, the duty, the truth. Whose duty was it to teach the children? context makes clear that it was the duty of the nation of Israel to teach the children. The teacher was the Israelite. We see that in verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. And again, Israel is called by name In the fourth verse, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then after God has addressed the nation of Israel, then he gives unto them this commandment, these words shall be in thine heart, and it is your duty, Israel, to teach these words unto thy children. The Israelites were a people who were given the privilege of knowing Jehovah God. In contrast to the other nations, the surrounding nations, the Egyptians and the Edomites and the Assyrians, the Israelites were the ones to whom God had made himself known. Through his mighty deeds and through his wonderful acts, God revealed himself unto the Israelites. In Egypt, as God sent the ten plagues upon the Egyptians, God was revealing himself unto the nation of Israel. And then when God, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, delivered the Israelites out of Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea, which Pharaoh, as he attempted to follow the Israelites, was drowned in that Red Sea, Jehovah God was revealing himself to the Israelites. They knew that Jehovah God was the one God and that there was no other God besides Jehovah. Though this God was the invisible God, the transcendent God who is so great that he dwells in the heavens of heavens, yet Israel was given the ability to know Jehovah God. And so it was then that God, as he came unto Israel and revealed himself unto them, gave unto them collectively this calling, this responsibility to teach your children. I have made myself known unto you, Israel. Now you, Israel, collectively, as this nation has the duty of teaching the truths of Jehovah God unto the generation that follows. 
And so it was the case then that everyone in the land of Israel was to be a teacher, old and young, male and female. Moses was a teacher. As God spoke through Moses, giving unto him the law, Miriam was a teacher as she taught the people how to sing praises unto God. Aaron was a teacher as he taught the people the sacrifices that they were to offer, picturing the cleansing of their sins and the blood of the Lamb. And who is called then in Hall Protestant Reformed Church to be the teacher? All of God's people are teachers. No one may claim exemption from this. No one may pass the responsibility on to someone else claiming that they lack the gifts or abilities to be a teacher. But God calls all of Israel in the Old Testament and thus all of his church in the New Testament to be teachers. Not all will serve in the official capacity of teaching the way we understand a teacher who has been called to serve in the Christian day school. Some are called to that, but not all. But nonetheless, in differing capacities, God calls us all to teach. Some teach in Sunday school. Others are teachers by their examples of patience and the trials that God has given them. Others are teachers in demonstrating generosity and love to others. Others to whom God has given musical gifts and abilities, even as God gave them unto Miriam of old, teach the people of God how to sing. Who's the teacher? It's you, the people of God. But then we may may be more specific here. Who is the teacher? Who was the teacher in Old Testament Israel? It was the parent who was the teacher. That comes out in this text in the first place from the fact that you're called to teach children. Verse 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And the one who has a child is a parent. Further proof of the fact that the parent is to be the teacher is from the location where this instruction is to be given. It's striking that the instruction, the primary place of instruction that God commands to be given is the home. Verse 7, Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
This is a humbling thought for those of us who are parents, that God has called me to be a teacher unto the children whom God has entrusted to my care. God chose you as parents with your strengths and your abilities, with your weaknesses and with your sins. And God has set you to be teacher to your children. There is nothing that can change or diminish this reality that you who are parents are teachers. You might judge yourself to be poorly qualified to be a teacher to your children. You might feel that you lack the gifts and abilities to teach, and yet nothing changes the reality that you are teaching. You are teaching either for good or for evil. You are either teaching your children to love Jehovah God and to walk in obedience unto Him, or you are teaching your children that life is all about myself and what I want. And then the children learn from that example and themselves grow up to be self-centered. We who are set by God to be parents over our children have authority over them. It's an important part of instruction, and we'll see this more clearly, God willing, in the second point. But for there to be instruction, faithful instruction given unto the children, that word must go forth with power unto the children. So the children must be given to understand then that this word that's given unto them is not merely an optional commandment. It's not something that the children can decide for themselves whether they are going to keep that commandment or disobey that commandment, but that commandment has authority as it comes unto them. When mom tells that child to come unto me and we're going to get you dressed for church this morning, the child does not have the right to consider whether or not he will obey mother's commandment, but it is the duty of that child to come unto mother when mother tells the child to do that. Why is that the case? It's because of the relationship that God has created between the parent and the child. God has given unto the parent authority over that child, so that as the parent speaks unto the child with a commandment, it is God himself who is calling that child unto obedience. Who is the teacher? It's a parent. We have to view ourselves that way as parent teachers. It is my responsibility to instruct the children that God has given me. thankful for the help of the Christian school 
We are thankful for godly teachers in the Christian school who stand in the place of the parent. But that does not take away from the reality that the parent is the teacher. And the parent is the one who will have to give an answer unto God in that judgment day for how the parent raised up the children. Who's the teacher? An Israelite, we saw. Parent. Third, the teacher is someone who has God's Word in his or her heart. Verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. The heart is the seat of man's emotions. It is from the heart that man wills and man desires and man loves. The heart is distinguished from the mind. It is with the mind that man reasons, that man thinks, and that man processes information. But then in distinction from that is the heart. It's possible that someone have a great understanding of a particular subject with the mind, and yet then that that information that he understands with the mind not make its way into the heart of man. It's possible that man receive information and be unmoved by that information. He ceases to care about that particular piece of information. Or it could be that man with the mind processes information and he dislikes that information. He despises what he has just heard. But the Word of God teaches us that the one who is the teacher is the one who not only understands truth, who not only can process truth, but then for whom it is the case that that truth has passed from the mind into the heart. And then from the heart, that individual loves that truth. The truth being the Word of God as it is revealed unto that man. This is precisely what qualifies parents and all of Israel to be teachers. It's because God's Word, by the operation of the Holy Spirit, makes its way into our hearts. We love it. We love the truth that Jehovah God delivered Old Testament Israel out of Egypt. We love the truth that God sustained His people for the 40 years that they were in the wilderness. We love the truth that God gave as a free gift Canaan, the promised land, so that the Israelites could enter in and receive it as their inheritance. We love what all of these Old Testament pictures point to, namely the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. 
And so as God, the Holy Spirit, presses these truths upon our hearts, we both want and are able to teach our children. We're qualified to do it because we have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit who equips. But then is the duty of the teacher? Verse 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Diligently teach. That's the duty that God gives to Israel. It's a word that is rich in meaning. Teach diligently. And the original has this idea. The idea is that of someone working with a chisel. And the edge of that chisel has, through many times of use, become dull or blunt. And because that chisel is now dull, it's necessary that the one using that chisel go to the whetstone and sharpen that chisel. And so he takes the chisel and through repetitive motion, going back and forth, back and forth over that whetstone, he files away the edge of that chisel until the two edges intersect at a very fine point, and thus it is sharp again. And being restored to having a sharp point, that chisel is now useful unto the one who holds it in his hand. That's the idea here of the word teach diligently. And it gives instruction unto us about what we as parents are called to do as we stand in relationship unto our children. There are several points of comparison that can be made between sharpening the edge of that chisel and teaching. The first point of comparison is this, that just as that blunt chisel is ineffective in woodworking, so it is that the dull child, the one not taught God's words, will be ineffective. The sense in which that child will be ineffective is in this sense, the child will be ineffective in fighting against the threefold enemy. The child who does not know the words of the Lord. The child who has not been taught the precepts of Jehovah God is not going to know how to use the word of the Lord, which is the sword of the Spirit in spiritual warfare. A sobering thought. We teach our children to be warriors, to fight. 
against the sinful world, against their own corrupt flesh, and against the devil and his demons. The second point of comparison with the figure that this text gives us is that there is a method by which that chisel is sharpened. And the method is by repetitive motion, taking the edge of the chisel, going back and forth, back and forth, filing away that until there comes to a point. And that gives us instruction here about how we as parents are to teach our children. The way in which we teach them is not a way that is particularly exciting at, at times. It's not always thrilling, but it's, it's repetitive motion. It is going back and forth over the same truths of the Word of God until that Word of God makes its way into their mind and we pray as well into their heart. We do this in the formal instruction that we give them. If we are teaching our children a memory verse, or teaching our children a psalter number, then the, the way by which we teach them is by going back and forth over that same line many, many times until that word is ingrained in their memory. And then as well in the informal instruction that we give to our children. When we're teaching them to sit still at the table, to gather around the table for devotions. It is by repetition, by consistently expecting of the children that they're going to be gathered around the table, that they're going to join with mom and dad for devotions around the table, that it is ingrained into them this habit. Back and forth. Just like somebody sharpening a chisel. And then the third point of comparison that we see from this figure is the fact that the method is effective. Just as taking that chisel and rubbing it over the whetstone is effective in bringing the edge to a point, so it is that as parents consistently diligently teach their children it's effective it gives unto them the tools that they need to be equipped to fight against the threefold enemy I fear that oftentimes as parents we become discouraged perhaps even quickly discouraged And when it doesn't seem as if the method is working, then we too quickly give up on the method and throw our hands up in despair and say, it's useless. It doesn't work. It's not having the desired effect upon the child. And so we must be reminded then in the Word of God, that this is the method that God has ordained. Instruction. Teach them. 
teach them diligently. You might not always be able to observe or measure the effects that the Word of God is having on their heart, but by faith in God's Word, we trust that this God-ordained method is effective. Teach them diligently. The text makes clear that teaching for the Old Testament Israelites was to be an all-consuming task for them. We read in the second half of verse 7, and, and shall talk of them, God's words, shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest And the idea here is that at every possible occasion, every possible opportunity, parents are to give instruction unto their children. Talk of them when you're sitting in your house, Old Testament Israel. They're not even in houses yet. They're still in tents. But when they would arrive into the land of Canaan and they would occupy the houses there, then God's commandment was when you sit in those houses, as you gather around the table for a meal, then teach them about my words. And then when you are walking by the way, and the idea here is when you take your child outside of the home with you, Perhaps at this point in Israel's history, the fathers would take their sons with them to go gather the manna that fell down from heaven outside the camp. There, use that opportunity to teach your children where this manna comes from. Remind them of the great need that they had for manna, how they were in the wilderness and previously there was no food, so they were very hungry. But then God in his love and his grace unto his people sent this manna unto them as a free gift. Use those opportunities to teach when you are outside of the home, in the way with your children. And then the end of verse 7, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And here the text contrasts for us the evening and the morning. As you put your child to bed at nighttime, teach your child to pray. And when the child wakes up, the first thing that the parent is to do before the parent is caught up in the busyness of the day, teach your children. When thou liest down, and when thou risest up. What this makes clear unto us is that parents are to teach their children in not just every moment throughout the day, but also in every season of life. Regardless of where the Lord has placed you and your family, You are to teach 
and talk to your children. If God has given you much, if He's given you health, strength, peace in the home and in church, then use that to talk unto your children of Jehovah's goodness. Remind your children that God is the one who is the author and the giver of life. That every good gift that we have comes because Jehovah God has opened wide His hand unto His people. But then on the other hand, if God has led us through difficult places in life, if God's chastening hand is experienced in our home, in our family. If there is sickness, if there is injury, if there is division, if there is cancer in the home, teach your children the words of the Lord. This is difficult to do, especially in moments of trial. But what, what we as parents must be aware of is the fact that it is particularly at those times of trial that the senses of the child are heightened. It is at that moment when there is difficulty in the home, and the child knows that there's difficulty. It's at that moment when dad loses his job. It's at that moment when there is the diagnosis of illness that children are especially receptive to instruction. The children are observing how mom and dad respond to the trials of life. And the child in that moment will be left with an impression that could well last for the rest of that child's life as to how mom and dad respond to this trial in life. Is dad going to get angry and blow up when there's bad news? Is mom going to get upset and storm around the house and slam the cupboard doors shut? when things do not go the way that mom wanted things to go. In all seasons of life, we are to teach. When you sit in your home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, teach. Parents are to seek every opportunity to give instruction unto the child or children whom God has given them. It must not be the mindset of the parent that I'm going to be with my child as little as possible. The devil works very hard to try to corrupt even the mentality of parents toward their children 
and to have parents view their children as a burden, as cumbersome. Christian parents ought not to view their children in such a light. That parents, Christian parents, should be seeking opportunities to be with their children so that they can teach them in the home and by the way. This is very hard to do, especially in today's day and age. There are so many things that would prevent the parent from being with the child so that instruction can be given. What if mother works outside of the home? Then how is mother to teach the child in the home? And by the way, what if the parents are home, but the parents are preoccupied with either the responsibilities of work or parents are preoccupied with using electronic devices, cell phones, on the computer. So that mom is home, but mom isn't really home because her face is glued to the screen. We must seek as parents opportunities to be with our children to teach them. There is no one else that is going to have as great of an influence in the lives of your children as much as you who are the parents. The truth that we are to give unto our children is the truths of God's Word. That's the content of the instruction. Verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them, teach these words diligently unto thy children. Not the wisdom or the understanding of man, but the wisdom and the understanding of Jehovah God. Our God is the speaking God. Our God is the one who makes himself known unto his people, who revealed himself unto Israel of old, making it known that he was the one God and there was no other God besides him. God has now called and entrusted parents with the glorious task of bringing God's holy words to the generation that follows. What a glorious and a special task this is. Who is sufficient for these things of bringing the holy and heavenly words of God unto the generation that follows? We live in a world which minimizes the importance of this task. A world which teaches parents that it's important for you to pursue your career. And that only then if you have time, then you can start a family. Or only if you have enough money put away, then you can start a family. 
But the Christian has a different attitude toward children and the calling to instruct them. The Christian mother beholds the truths which are taught in God's Word, and she loves those truths. She has them hid in her heart, and she wants to give those truths unto her children. The Christian parent understands the significance of this work. It's a work that will have consequences into eternity. For the goal of teaching the child is that they would take these words and have these words be pressed by the Holy Spirit upon their heart so that they come to know God as the Redeemer of His people. It is a work that we pray will be used by God for the salvation of His children. The same truth that we teach unto the children gives encouragement to us as parents as we perform the work of giving instruction to our children. We need this encouragement from the truths of God's Word so easily we become overwhelmed, we fall short of the mark that God has set before us. We are disappointed and discouraged. But God's word sets before us, us the truth of God's absolute sovereignty in salvation. It teaches us that Jehovah is the covenant-keeping God who will not permit any one of his children to be lost, teaches us that Jehovah God's love for his people is so great that he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. May the knowledge of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ encourage and embolden us as parents that we might diligently teach our children the words of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, wilt thou graciously work in us that we might never forget what Thou hast done for us. May we teach unto our children the mighty acts which Thou hast performed. May Thy Word be a light guiding and teaching us the way in which we are to go. Forgive graciously where we as parents have fallen short of the mark which Thou hast set for us. Now hear and answer this prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.